the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome to The Dan Proft Show. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday installment. You can follow us at danproftshow.com, on social media at danproftshow, and of course at danproftshow.com. Podcasts are there as they are on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, yesterday, we addressed the uh, article of impeachment that will frame next week's imp- impeachment trial 2.0, as well as the Trump defense team's answer, written answer to that article of impeachment. And uh, pretty clear from the answer that they were not going down the road of using impeachment trial 2.0 as a venue to relitigate claims of election irregularities. And that was made uh, even more explicit by Bruce Castor yesterday. Uh, He is a a member of Trump's defense team. Plenty of questions about how the election was conducted throughout the country, but that's for a different forum. And I don't believe that's important to litigate in the Senate trial because you don't need it. President Trump has plenty to win with what he has. Right. Which is what I said yesterday. The idea that you have an acquittal in your back pocket per Rand Paul straw vote on jurisdiction, Senate jurisdiction, 45 Republican senators saying the Senate doesn't have jurisdiction to uh, to to, to, uh, conduct this trial after he has left office. That's what you need. It would be legal malpractice to jeopardize an acquittal. That's essentially what Castor saying. But he also added, I don't know where people got that notion uh, that was some sort of litmus test to get to defend the president because, as you saw from the document I filed, which had to be approved by the president personally, there isn't anything in there about the election being stolen. And there isn't. We went through it. There is a pushback against the assertion that uh, President Trump saying election fraud had occurred, which is part of the article of impeachment, somehow is the run-up to the incitement to riot. Uh, So there was pushback in the answer, but there's no specific claims about uh, election irregularities. Um, and I, so it's, it's, it's surprising to me why you have some conservatives, uh, including talk show hosts and pundits, suggesting, no, no, this is the perfect venue, the right opportunity to prosecute, to continue really, to pick up the prosecution of the election irregularities from 2020. It isn't. It isn't. What you have is an opportunity to very undramatically secure an acquittal for the president. The second one that he puts in his back pocket and says, which on 2.0 is now concluded. Now we can get back to the regularly scheduled issues that actually matter to the American people. And uh, and if he wants to present new information that could illuminate unresolved issues surrounding election regularity irregularities great 
that's the way you do it. Um, and it also calls to mind something I don't think that some of these people arguing that this is a good venue to prosecute election fraud claims. I don't think they understand what the left is doing. That they're not just trying to bury Trump and uh, rewrite his legacy as singularly January 6th. They're trying to use January 6th, as Jonathan Tobin eloquently writes in The Federalist, as their bloody shirt for the 21st century. Nice Civil War reference on his part to prosecute the Republican Party, to prosecute anybody who ever did so much as vote for Trump and cast all of them as little more than accessories before, during or after the fact to those few hundred people who did commit acts of violence on January 6th. They're trying to neuter the Republican Party and the conservative movement for the next couple of generations they're not just looking at nailing coffins from the trump era or securing the house and senate in 22 or securing the white house in 24 they're talking they're looking at this as a way to sort of uh, do to the republican party writ large what they were able to do to the republican party with respect to uh, black voters in america by forever brandishing the Southern strategy, Nixon's Southern strategy as evidence that the Republican Party was racist. They want for the next 25 years to paint the Republican Party as the white supremacist confederacy that tried to overthrow the government. That's the story. And as Jonathan Tobin writes, the only possible response to the Democrats attack is to refute the charge that what happened on January 6th was anything like an insurrection or sedition. Of course, he's talking about those who were nonviolent. He goes on, even if the challenge to the Electoral College result was poorly reasoned and constitutionally impossible, the pro-Trump protest that the president addressed was neither illegal nor a threat to democracy, however misguided or intemperate his remarks might have been. Precisely. As Jonathan Turley, George Washington law professor, said uh, in the immediate aftermath, when everybody uh, on the cable news channels, at least uh, CNN and MSNBC, trying to brand it an insurrection, he said, uh, I would call it more of a desecration than an insurrection, which is exactly right. And which is why it's shameful that uh, Republicans who have voted to impeach President Trump in the House, like Liz Cheney, who retained her post as the number three in the House Republican caucus, not without an incident when 61 members of your caucus want you removed. That uh, doesn't speak to um, a real chumminess. Yeah, okay. We don't want to go so far as to remove her from the post. But uh, and and Kevin McCarthy probably pursuing the Wall Street Journal advice and counsel of uh, uh, keep Liz Cheney there, uh, keep uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene with her committee assignments. And, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we'll we'll see how she proves herself out as a congressman. And uh, Liz Cheney, will see uh, how she proves herself out with uh, uh, 
uh, helping McCarthy and the leadership team try to regain the House in 2022. And let's get to focus on that mission as quickly as possible, rather than using Liz Cheney or Marjorie Taylor Greene as litmus test for what kind of Republican Party we're going to be. Sort of tackle that yesterday. Uh, so, so again, back to J- Jonathan Tobin. Yes, uh, Kinzinger and Cheney calling this an insurrection. They're doing the bidding of the left. They're doing the bidding of this branding campaign, this effort to gaslight the American people into, you know, the GOP is the white supremacist Confederacy Party that tried to overthrow the government. That is the agitprop that is being pushed by the left. And so the venue next week and going forward, and this is where leadership from McCarthy and, frankly, McConnell, if they want to secure control of the House and Senate, respectively, is going to be important, is to launch a frontal assault on that lie. Frontal assault on that lie. Going back to Tobin. The minority of those who came to support Trump who violated the law, as opposed to merely exercising their right to protest, like those who took part in the quote-unquote mostly peaceful BLM protest, those who violated the law deserve severe punishment. But their conduct cannot be treated as something that can discredit everyone who applauded Trump that day, January 6th, or wish for a different outcome last November. And that's what they're doing. This is not that deep in terms of understanding what they're doing and understanding what is right and proper, but you have to defend the position. You have to under, you, you, you have to recognize what they're doing and recognize the response it demands. Tobin concluding, one needn't think well of Trump's post-election conduct or condone all the exaggerated claims of fraud he promoted to understand that transforming a protest, no matter how ill-considered, into a rebellion is an act of political mischief aimed at discrediting legitimate opposition not a defense of the Constitution. If Republicans fail to refute these false charges, they will be paying the political price for handling the Democrats, for, excuse me, for handing the Democrats that bloody shirt with which to assail them for many election cycles to come. Uh, The Republican Party and its leadership, as well as at the grassroots level, needs to get its uh, act together and uh, stop... Uh, running down every rabbit hole that the left digs and focus on sort of the big play that is being made here. And Jonathan Tobin uh, outlined it nicely, as did I, of course. This is Dan seat and sharpen your pencils class is in session with professor dan proft and the dan proft show welcome back to the show continuing uh, the discussion we were having before the break about impeachment this is just so important so i want to stick on it i mentioned adam kinzinger a republican from my home state of illinois the ex-urban part of the state, ex-urban, just outside of Chicago, down to central Illinois, uh, a Republican district. And uh, Kinzinger is one of those, uh, like Liz Cheney, less profile, but uh, one of those who has been uh, prosecuting the case happily 
against Trump happily on cable news channels and uh, other forums where he can get cheap harumphs by doing the bidding of the left. And so his uh, latest star turn was on The View, where he had to deal with those uh, real probing questions from Whoopi and Joy, for goodness sakes. Uh, It's disgraceful, but it's important to point out. Important to point out. And, uh, you know, you're always going to have uh, rogues and parties. You know, you're always going to have differences of opinion. And that's fine. But I think when you start to really do uh, the uh, yeoman's work for pushing the left's agitprop, your political opponent's agitprop, about your own voters, including in your district, and you try to paper it over, paper over what you're doing, wittingly or unwittingly, you know, by essentially implying how courageous you're being, willing to put my political career on the line to say what I know to be true. Uh, it becomes uh, difficult to countenance. Kinzinger on The View. Congressman, you were the first Republican in Congress to come out and call for President Trump to be removed from office after the Capitol attack, either through the 25th Amendment or with a second impeachment, calling him unfit and unwell. What have these past few weeks been like for you in terms of any backlash you faced? Well, there's been backlash. You know, it's, it's yeah, within the party base, there's there's some, of course, you know, as, as we'd expect. There's also been a whole lot of outpouring from people that, uh, you know, just said, thanks for saying it, right? Um, I've heard it even among some of my colleagues, thanks for speaking up. You know, and what it comes down to is maybe there's backlash, maybe there's not. But, you know, putting your career on the line, when we're going out and asking young people to be willing to fight and die to defend this country, you know, being willing to give your career up to defend that same cause, that fidelity to the Constitution is a small price to pay. Yeah, uh, it's uh, the false nobility is really a, a big price to pay in terms of having to listen to that. Uh, and uh, again, going back to the Jonathan Tobin piece I was referencing uh, before the break, what Trump's opponents have done is to launch a campaign that seeks to treat the insurrection, in quotations, as not just the fitting culmination of the Trump administration, but the prism through which to view the Republican Party as disloyal, authoritarian, and violent. By this means, all those members of the House and Senate who voted to challenge the Electoral College results can be labeled as accessories to insurrection. By painting with such a broad brush, the same can also be retroactively applied to those who raise questions about the election results, even if they opposed the January 6th challenge in Congress, for example, Rand Paul. Inflating the events of January 6th into an insurrection involves transforming the few hundred rioters into a full-fledged domestic terrorism conspiracy, even if there's little evidence to back up that charge. And that's what Kinzinger is actually furthering with uh, his comments. And Kinzinger uh, went on to you know, do the bidding of those who will raise his profile and probably help him raise money for his sort of Lincoln Project 2.0 pack uh, with the similarly euphemistic name Country First, the Lincoln Project, the vile uh, members of the Lincoln Project, starting with John Weaver, but not limited to him, um, invoking Lincoln, Adam Kinzinger, Country First. 
uh, Kinzinger on Marjorie Taylor Greene taking the bait once again, doing the left bidding once again. Why don't they just come out and say, get her off? She's an outraged. She's an outrage. And she is, in fact, a cancer on the GOP. And we're better than that. Why don't they just come out and say that? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that because I think that's what they should say. You know, and we're sitting here and debating removing Liz Cheney from her leadership post whose conservative credentials are unmatched, you know, because she voted her conscience. And then we're debating and kind of hem-hawing over what to do with, you know, Jewish space laser conspiracies and and uh, Sandy Hook truthers and 9-11 truthers. You know, that's really what the, the battle for the heart and soul of the party is. It actually isn't because uh, nobody is defending Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, ridiculous comments. So there is no battle over that. That's a fake battle. That's a false flag. Oh, and by the way, she's an outrage. Uh, you know, I know Joy Behar has nothing but the best interests of the Republican Party in mind. It's so charitable of her to provide that advice and counsel that Adam Kinzinger laps up like a like a puppy dog. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, though, on she's an outrage. She's an embarrassment. This is uh, Adam Kinzinger from his uh, launch video for Country First, his PAC, just the other day, just a couple of days ago. Republicans must say enough is enough. It's time to unplug the outrage machine, reject the politics of personality and cast. Oh, it's time to unplug the outrage machine, except when you want to plug it in and use it on The View. Mm hmm. We'll see. Uh, I think Kevin McCarthy is uh, navigating this a lot better than Adam Kinzinger is in terms of uh, long term direction of the party and, frankly, uh, the individual viability, political viability of the two, for example. But we'll see. Oh, by the way, here's some other, you know, context that's important. You know, it's not like the um, Democrat Socialist Party doesn't have their problems, too. Doesn't have their um those that uh, are um, squawking about the direction of the party. And it's fine to squawk about the direction of the party. I've done it all the time, both with respect to the national party, with respect to the local party. As I said, I think the line is when you flip to the other side and you're wittingly or unwittingly advancing the agitprop of the of your political opponents undermining your party, which is what I'm saying Ken, Kinzinger is doing. So there is a standard here. Uh, Marcy Kaptur, who is the uh, longest-serving female in Congress, she's a Democrat from Ohio. She's frustrated by her party's disposition towards blue-collar families like those she represents in Ohio. They just can't understand. They can't understand a family that sticks together because that's what they have. Their loved ones are what they have. Their little town, their home, as humble as it is, that's what they have. It's been very hard for regions like mine, which have had great economic attrition, to get fair standing, in my opinion. She feels like a minority within her party, she said. Several of my colleagues who are in the top ranks have said to me, you know, we don't understand your part of the country. And they're very genuine. You can't understand what you haven't been a part of. Well, yeah, you also uh, are not going to understand something you don't attempt to understand, something that you're not interested in understanding. People that you uh, just categorize as deplorables and dismiss with respect to their concerns or their standings as uh, God-fearing Americans. Mm -hmm. People that need to be steamrolled over so the brave new world can be ushered in. Well, that's the other part of it that, of course, Representative Kaptur isn't going to 
say, but I'm happy to translate. This is Dan Proud. Political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.